This is Carl Zinsmeister with Sweet Charity, a series of stories about how private giving solves public problems, adapted from the Philanthropy Roundtable's Almanac of American Philanthropy. Periodically, I like to profile in these podcasts some national accomplishment that most people would never guess resulted from philanthropy. Well, today I've got a doozy. Would you believe that the modern science of secret code-making and code-breaking was launched by a charitable donor? George Fabian was a classic entrepreneurial philanthropist. Curious, quirky, full of passionate interests, distrustful of conventional wisdom and bureaucracy, and a fan of inventive thinking. He was also a big supporter of deep research and investigation. With proceeds from his family textile business, he set up one of America's very first private think tanks and research labs. It was located right on his personal estate near Chicago, where Fabian lived with his wife in a farmhouse renovated by Frank Lloyd Wright. He called the place Riverbank Laboratories and personally oversaw the investigations that took place in his private lab. One of the subjects Fabian was interested in was genetics and plant growth. There was a theory at the time that moonlight affected the maturing of wheat plants. So Fabian sought out a specialist who could look into that, as well as other agricultural subjects. In 1915, he hired a promising Cornell graduate student named William Friedman. As they worked together, Fabian and Friedman discovered they shared another intellectual fascination. They both had a bug for cryptography, the making of secret messages using different kinds of codes. Fabian already had two scholars working full-time at Riverbank, testing the idea that there were codes written into Shakespeare's plays. Friedman got drawn into some of their work and found himself becoming more and more interested in secret codes. He was pulled in even deeper when he began to court Elizabeth Smith. She was a talented cryptographer who was working at Riverbank on Fabian's Shakespeare project. Soon, Smith and Friedman were inviting their friends to dinner parties where you had to break a simple code to figure out what restaurant everyone was gathering in. Before long, they were husband and wife. Like many of the best philanthropists, George Fabian decided to let his philanthropy go wherever the results and the passion were strongest. So he moved his plant geneticist over to a new department of codes and ciphers that he set up at Riverbank Lab for Mr. and Mrs. Friedman to run. The couple lived right on Fabian's estate, and William threw himself into the work with gusto. Soon he was publishing, with Fabian's help, dozens of papers. These became known as the Riverbank Publications and established much of the mathematical basis for modern code-making and breaking. Then World War I broke out. At that time, the U.S. had no military or other federal department with expertise in codes. So George Fabian offered the services of his Riverbank laboratory to the U.S. Army to allow them to decode captured enemy messages. In short order, Riverbank's Department of Codes and Ciphers was the cryptographic hub for the U.S. government. The Army started sending personnel to Riverbank to be trained in the use of codes. Elizabeth later reminisced of her shock at realizing how important their little charitable lab had become. She said, Knowledge of codes and ciphers was so scant in the United States when we entered World War I that we had to be the learners, the workers, and the teachers all at the same time. 
Throughout the war, George Fabian's private lab remained the center of all U.S. military code-making and breaking. And in addition to the vital practical work he did for the national war effort, William Friedman continued his theoretical research on codes. By 1920, he and Riverbank had published eight more classic papers that defined the new field. In 1921, the U.S. Department of War asked the Freedmans to move to Washington, D.C. to set up a new government effort in analyzing enemy codes, what William now dubbed crypt analysis. In this archived interview, one of his first hires makes it clear that Friedman had to build the U.S. code effort right from the ground up. It was during this ex- first exchange with Friedman when he got through inquiring if I had a place to live. And... Uh, had I been to Washington before and just sort of simple conversation, that uh, I found an opportunity to ask him uh, uh, what a cryptanalyst was supposed to do. And he said, you mean you don't know what a cryptanalyst is? And I said, I never heard the word before. And he looked out the window and he said, well, that's not strange. He says, I just invented it. William soon ran all signals intelligence for the Army and then became chief cryptologist of the Department of Defense. He led the breaking of the Japanese diplomatic codes, one of the great technical breakthroughs of World War II. He helped create for America the most secure cipher machine used by any nation during the war. After World War II, the secret organization Friedman led evolved into today's National Security Agency, the world's preeminent coding, surveillance, and information security entity. The young geneticist who George Fabian recruited into the world of ciphers is today honored by the NSA as its dean and called the father of American cryptology. A plaque at NSA headquarters cites William Friedman's, quote, voluntary service during a critical time of national need. The donor who signed Friedman's paychecks during this voluntary service isn't listed on that plaque. But now you know his secret role. For Sweet Charity, this has been Carl Zinsmeister. And for more tales from the Almanac of American Philanthropy, which is now available in an updated compact edition, find the book at Amazon. Amazon.